Hey guys, this is Liz Cambage. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? This is Epic Starkey. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. WNBA Nation, hello again, and welcome to uh, a late week uh, conference tournament, got a new schedule edition of the show. Uh, good to have you here. I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm here with Logan Jones. Logan, how are you? Hey, Steve. I'm great. I'm just looking over TV schedule details. I'm reading Howard Megdahl articles. I'm reading about Tina Thompson's college uh College record. I, I feel like I'm taking in a lot of information that we're going to synthesize into today's episode. So we've got a lot yeah. of things to cover. I'm excited about it. You've got Sid Colson calling out people who say she shouldn't be happy that she signed a contract with the Aces. <laughs> um, all that stuff. It's uh, it's good times. It's great oldies. Happy belated birthday to Ricky Agumbawale and Tiana Hawkins. Uh, just so y'all know. Do but, we need a yes, we. Segment? We should probably have a It might be. Like that might be like our Good Morning America type vibe that we also do birthdays. Um probably not they wouldn't be sponsored by Smuckers, but I mean we could try. Uh that just seems like a really weird place to go. You know, I don't know where you guys get your jams and jellies. I'll tell you right now. It's not that terribly difficult to do it at home if you can. If you could find the right produce and it's this, significantly this is not better. A tangent I thought I was introducing, but I'm happy. With no, it. I'm here to talk about canning. Uh, <laughs> that's my, that's my day. No, uh, no, we have uh, quite a bit to jump in. A lot of news popping up over the last couple of days. Uh, but let's, uh, let's head over to plug corner. It's the only place in the room where we have an outlet over to plug corner. Logan, you want to give everyone the rundown as to where they can find the show and get involved? Let's do it. First off, we live stream each of our episodes on twitch.tv slash WNBA Nation. Go over there and subscribe. If you have an Amazon Prime account, you can go over each month and subscribe. Uh, we love when that happens. You can also follow us on Twitter at WNBA Nation Pod for all the latest news and updates. Uh, you can go to our store envy page, wmbnation.storeenvy.com for some sweet W merch. I still need to order my mug because I'm super jealous that Anila has a mug and I really want a mug. Uh, and lastly, five-star reviews anywhere that you listen to our podcast. They help us get discovered uh, by other fans of the show. We're doing a really big push this year in the offseason to continue to get content out there for you so that we can hit the ground running when draft yes, time yes. rolls around. Uh, we're really excited for our WNBA and NCAA coverage for this coming year. We will be attending uh, the Final Four in Minnesota, and we will bring you some coverage uh, there as well. <laughs> so that's coming up. We're we're here in March. Selection Sunday is not far off. Uh, and if you want to be privy to all of that information and our takes on all of it as we go, those are the places you can subscribe. We also, uh, I need to add this to our, our regular uh, a plug corner neighborhood. Uh, we also have a YouTube page. Uh, it's it's clips from the show. So if you listen to the show, it's not going to be new information. But uh, YouTube.com slash C slash WNBA Nation, uh, which if you're on the Twitch stream, it's just it's on the page. It, it, like It's part of the little graphic that's rotating all the time. Um, it's a lot more shareable that way. If you're, if you're liking the show and you think friends might like some of the segments or some of the takes that we have on here, or you want to put something on Twitter, or you have thoughts or questions that you want to add to our discussions, you can go there, yes, yes. grab the clip that you want from the show, put it on Twitter. 
uh, that's why we do it. It's, it's kind of nice to, to get out there in different mediums. So we have that as well. And that is it for the plugs. I love it. I cannot wait for the end of the month uh, to hit up Minnesota, juice some Lucy, watch a final four. If you're going to be around at the same time, definitely uh, reach out to us on Twitter. We'd always love a chance to meet up, do play some selfie games. I don't know what selfie games would be just like scavenger hunts. I don't know. Um, but whatever we, you know, we'd love a chance to get to know some listeners of the show. Anywho, uh, Thank you very much for that, Logan. It's very thorough, very effective. Let's talk about television, the, the good old small screen. Um, just like the invention, like we'll go all the way back to Philo Farnsworth and then we'll talk history. No, we will not. But WNBA wanted us to talk a little bit about television. The national TV schedule was released as of the morning that this show was recorded. Four graphics, all denoting a different month of the season. Each game, minus one of them, featuring two teams from the WNBA. There's some interesting discourse as a generality, but uh, any thoughts, feedback, immediate reaction slogan as news of the schedule was released? Yeah, I'm excited to see kind of who the league and who the schedule thinks is going to be good this year. Because that's always, right, like whoever's on TV a lot on national broadcasts, that's, that's sort of where the league is leaning. Not always correct. Um, but obviously Connecticut and Phoenix are big draws, each with um, big stars, especially Phoenix adding adding some stuff this offseason and Connecticut getting uh, Melissa Thomas back healthy, Gina Charles now in, in Phoenix. So like everyone wants to see that. Everyone wants to know how it works out. So you're going to get Connecticut and Phoenix kind of early and often on your national broadcast. I think in the month of May, you're going to get Phoenix three times and you're going to get Connecticut I guess just once. I think they backloaded all the Connecticut games towards the end of the season. Yeah, all of those are like the, the late July and August slate, um, which is great because that's usually when they're making their big playoff push anyway. Um, but I'm excited to see those. Connecticut versus New York on ESPN May 7th. Um, that's going to kick off the season. But I'm pumped for that. The way that New York started last season and, and kind of what's been going on with their offseason this year. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit about that drama in a bit here, but um, I think that's a team that's ready to make some noise, and Connecticut's obviously going to try to once again ascend Championship Mountain, and this time actually get to the peak. Um, so those are my early impressions. I'm wondering what what stands out to you in terms of games you're going to circle on the calendar. Well, it's interesting because, and I think there's already been discussion on this point I'm about to make, but the two games I I circled immediately are two games that aren't even on the schedule, uh, but they're for the day before. So I, I anticipate that this. Schedule will expand, and I think it'll expand before the season starts because these kick off May 7th. May 6th is actually the first night of the season, and there's four games. And there's two that I immediately go, and I'll do respect to Connecticut and New York. I think storyline-wise, you have some really good matchups here. You have, one, a rematch of the conference final between the Phoenix Mercury and the Aces. And secondly, you have what I think would be the best storyline, potentially mainstream matchup. And that's sparks and sky. You have a defending champion and a defending champion, Candace Parker playing her former team for the first time. Liz Cambage's potential first night in Los Angeles, the new look sparks altogether. Um, the ring night probably. Cause it's, it's in Chicago. 
I I have to anticipate that's going to be on the schedule at some point, but that it's not considered now. Like if if for some reason this is final and they don't add either of those matchups, it it takes it down a grade for me, and that's a bit frustrating. So I'm intrigued as to how I get that it's a Friday and maybe it's just hard for them to squeeze airtime, which is stupid. It's you know may I think they'd be able to make it work elsewise somewhere, but. Maybe I'm just over optimistic. I don't know. I know it's the yeah. end of the NBA playoffs. It's it's uh, you know I'd say baseball, but that's probably not going to be baseball by then. Um, probably not. And then, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> and then whatever have you. But still, I think you could make you could find a Friday night slot to kick that off. But that's me. I don't know. That's my so that was that was like the main thing that kicked off to me is I go you have two money matchups you could even say a third with the Lynx and Storm because those are two very good teams that if you just put them on TV in a new arena the first night of Subird's final season all or you know potential final season quote unquote um, you know if you're not going to do Fever Mystics I don't you know I, I I'm not going to get on your case there but. Yeah. If uh, if if I may, I don't know if we want to get this granular, but if you go by team schedules, there's some interesting nuances here. Um, I looked at Seattle's schedule this year. They're a team that really intrigues me because I think everyone counts on them to be good again. Um, they're they're running back kind of that same cast that's buoyed them up for the last little while. But I think they're actually in for a bit of a challenging road. Um, they start the season against Minnesota and on the road against Vegas and Phoenix. Obviously, all the Seattle-Phoenix games are super fun. They end the season with six of their last eight on the road, and it includes games at Connecticut, at Chicago, at Minnesota, at Vegas. And in fact, their their season ender on August 14th is at Vegas. That's a that's a rough schedule. Um, they did not do Seattle any, any particular favors with that one. Um, so those are games I'm going to be paying attention to. The reason that I was even diving into Seattle's schedule specifically is I wanted to know when they played the Dallas Wings uh, because I, I wonder... It, it's hard to capture magic like last season's three-game uh, series between those two teams again. But yeah, that was the, the, that was the, play, the play within a play matchup yeah, was those two. They, yeah, they I mean, always found a way to have play good basketball together. They, they, yeah, they were always one-possession games. Looks like they we've were, got a... Uh, first I'm seeing is June? Yeah, I'm seeing yeah, June, June 14th on ESPN two, and that's a and that's a Commissioner's Cup matchup. Heyo, that I'm sure that'll be an interesting discussion yeah, at the time. Maybe, probably not, but yeah, I, I'd be in jest about the Commissioner's Cup, but it's you know whatever it is. But yeah, I think um, I mean that's obviously a good, good follow up there. Seattle is an interesting case, it's just as far as when you look at their roster. Are they really booing themselves up for success, or are they kind of deeming next season the new, the next era of the storm? And this year might be more of a like one last dance type of experience. It'll, it's just going to be intriguing um, overall. I do have one thing that has been grinding my gears. I know this technically has nothing to do with the schedule, but um, wait, we we know when uh, the All Star Game is going to be. It's July tenth. Why don't we know where the hell it's going to be played, Logan? <laughs> yeah, I, I actually saw that on the when I was looking at the TV schedule. It doesn't have like a channel designation, like it doesn't have ESPN or ABC or anything next to it. We just have a date. It's on a Sunday, and that's that's what we know. There, there cool. will be one. Is it going to be played at a void somewhere, so, like Moron Mountain, Space Jam style? <laughs> is it 
Like, because the thing is, it, it, that that's getting me frustrated with that is, as you now know, as you especially know, and and us trying to coordinate just this Final Four trip to Minnesota, which we've been talking about since the fall. Um, within four months of finding plane tickets, it can be tough to, <laughs> to coordinate affordable flights and to make the, make a trip work. And if you really want to showcase your all-star game, get a good, get a good crowd that's energized, that fills up an arena. Like you have to have people on with that. That should have been factored when the game went zeros last year in Vegas, they should have known where this game was going to be. There are already people talking about they're probably just going to end up do it, doing it in Vegas again because they weren't able to figure out anywhere else they could do this. It's this is July. It just it's it's frustrating. It's which, like by the way, which yeah. is great for us. I know we love when they do things in Vegas because it's easy for us to drive down or fly down there. Like we can always get cheap, you know. And we we do the show in our spare time. It's not our full time job, but we know like we can make concessions for for our daily lives to get down to vegas really easily but it's been in vegas the last little while and i feel bad for fans that are like waiting for it to go back to the east coast or up to chicago or up to the pacific northwest or just somewhere close by because they haven't been able to go for the last few years and i i want to be charitable right like i don't want it to be in vegas every year for my sake um so i i would feel bad if they if they just can't figure out a way to do it I don't know. I, I feel like doing one in Chicago the year after they won the, the championship would be really fun, but I don't know if it's conceivable. Yeah, and I, like, I don't want to put so much of the onus on the WNBA. Obviously, it's you have 12 markets, and you have to go where who has interest, who has infrastructure, who is able to make the scheduling work, and all of that good stuff. My feeling on it is I just get the sense that the WNBA doesn't seem to prioritize All-Star Weekend as heavily as I think they should. That might be your most marketable weekend of the entire year, finals included. Maybe finals and opening week are the, the, the what, that are what compete with that. But you're talking about a weekend where you put your best talent on, on that stage, where you should be putting some of your best ways to sink in new fans where you have a hype crowd. Cause wherever it's going to be, you're going to be, it's kind of the fun part. I mean, maybe Vegas is a part of this, but I think the fun part about all-star weekend is almost is like an annual conference for dedicated W fans where we like, I'll meet up and you see each yeah. other. Like it's, so it's, you know, you're going to get an energetic, energized crowd. And if you want to bank on that one, you need to give them time to coordinate those things. But then two, you need to show, that there's a priority behind this, that, that it's something that you value because marketing wise, just, there's so much to that weekend that could really help enhance the valuation on the league. And that's kind of where it concerns me more than anything. It's, it's like, it just feels like that's something you're leaving pretty heavily on the table that, that, that can't happen. Is my take, but so that's why. I was, yeah, the, the W sometimes, uh, like they, I feel like they're they're under good leadership. They're going in the right direction in a lot of ways. The league popularity is growing. They're on TV, but it it still has a hard time not, you know, getting in its own way sometimes. And yeah, which is you know, interesting. You make that point because <laughs> I think it transitions perfectly. Why don't you and I take a public coach flight over to our next section and discuss? Um, now this has been news for the better part of a week by now, so it's not necessarily something that's going to be new to a lot of W fans, but I think it's interesting note for us to continue to, to seep in on, um, 
obviously a lot of the the news surrounding the New York Liberty uh, really came to light with Howard Bechdel's article in Sports Illustrated, which if you haven't read, go out of your way to find it. It's very telling. There is some questioning of accuracy and information, not necessarily accuracy and information, but just other things have developed. So it's hard to figure out if there's certain details, you know, what's true, what's not true, things of that nature. But it sounds like for the most part, it was pretty on point. Um, Logan, what's your best 20 words or less or whatever uh, rundown of, of this story for anyone who happens to not be in the know? Okay. So the story is thus. Um, the, the Liberty owner is like the co-founder or main founder or CEO or something of Alibaba. So he's got tons of money. His name's Joe Tsai. He was the one who was upset a couple years ago when WNBA teams were missing games and not being treated like stars because they were basically writing economy um, from, from game to game. Remember? Um, so he, he basically committed to start treating New York Liberty players like stars, um, which included chartering flights and a Labor Day weekend trip to, is it Napa? Is that, is that where they went? Um, yeah. And, and that there was fallout from that because it wasn't just like a slap on the wrist sort of situation in the eyes of other owners in the league to them, it appears like it was a massive affront. Um, and it, it began this discussion of, can you go outside the lines of what is allowed in the CBA in terms of compensating your players, how to treat your players, or is that a competitive disadvantage for the teams that are not willing to do those things like charter flights for players? Um, and so it turned into a little bit of a scandal and the story is kind of framed like it is a scandal because the Liberty have essentially, uh, proven that they more than maybe any other team in the league is willing to go to bat to, uh, for their players and to treat them like stars. And that is a little bit of a competitive edge and it's a competitive edge that not everybody can offer because not everyone has Josiah as an owner. Um, so that's the root cause of kind of this. It, it, the, the WNBA owners do not appear to all be on the same page in terms of yeah. how they want to invest in the league and how they want to invest in their players. That is the, if, the story. Yeah. And that's, that, that's, I think, where it comes down to is we're really getting a strong viewpoint of there's kind of three or four different mindsets or camps, you can call them, as far as how – investment within the league should work and what's, what should be valued. What, what about the growth of the league is important. And it came down to this discussion on the CBA and, you know, at what point does someone breaking the rules become vigilante justice in, in (laughs) the only way a billionaire can do it? Uh, and, and you're able to stand up and say, you know what, but I side with that decision. And I think that that's, what's interesting to me is I have a lot of takes on this and it's hard for me because I'm coming off of it from an emotional standpoint because I couldn't say anything too openly for a couple of days simply because reading that article mostly pissed me off. Yeah. And yeah, I we know how I am when I get chat. This was a week hyper, where we were mad in the chat. Yeah, I got hyper emotional and I know in my <laughs> head like this is me I'm going to be a dummy and get on mic and say something so outlandish and I'm going to have a bunch of people being like, "Hey Steve, you got this detail wrong and so your whole take is dumb." And I get that. I just after even after coming out of it, 
and take it a few days to continue to mull on it and see the, the outtake of the aftermath. I'm frustrated that we're still having this, I suppose, overarching discussion on like, is this a discussion of fairness? And it's kind of no, because the discussion of fairness isn't to me that this team can have chartered flights and these ones can't. It's that we're still cramming six foot five athletes into public coach airline flights across the country altogether. This is something that should have been resolved a long time ago. I don't know the validity of Josiah's proposal that would have led to the whole league having three years of at least three years of charter flights. It sounds like there's some speculation on if that was pitched or not, but the, the number one detail of that article that, and I tell you this right now, I was sitting at my desk, this desk working from home and I got up and had to pace around my basement for several minutes because it made me that upset. Should all this be true is one of the main pieces of feedback that other league owners gave about that proposal. Josiah's proposal saying, I found a way to make it. So every team in the league, if you guys want, can, can have this chartered flight option for three seasons. And the big, one of the biggest pieces of feedback they got is they're hesitant to do it because what if the players get used to it? <laughs> and, and then yeah. after three seasons, you know, they're not going to have it. Uh, the, the, you know, what if, what if they're used to it as if the idea was we're going to grant them this for three years and do nothing about it. And it'll just be gone. Yeah. We I have mean, 36 like months to find a further solution, but we're just not going to do anything as if they're like saying, in my opinion, this ties to Jason's point of like, guys, we're if if after three years they like it too much, like now, like it's going to be hard for us to screw the players over. And as owners, we have to screw the players over. That's like our job, right? So how are we going to do that in three years? That frustrated me to no end because how dare a professional athlete want to be treated like a professional athlete for a change? Like how dare they? Yeah, this this feels like a situation where the owners, at least some owners, are saying, "Well, you didn't get it in writing, so we don't have to do that." Um, where you know guys like Davis and Josai and some of the other probably newer, richer owners are like, I'm chomping at the bit trying to get this team up to where I believe the WNBA's popularity yeah. and and uh, like financial success can be. Um, and that's that was the take I was going to lead into earlier, which is it's crazy to me that the people. The, the very few people who stand to gain the most financially from the, the WNBA's continued trajectory upwards uh, are one of the biggest obstacles in keeping the league from being mm. financially successful. Like they, we are all on the same team here. Like this, I, and and maybe it's just a situation where for some teams it's can't, and other teams it's won't. Maybe some teams legitimately their, their owners like we cannot keep up financially with with what other you know, other teams can pour into their teams resource wise but i suspect it's more uh a case of for the last 20 to 25 years i've owned this team and i haven't had to do that and i don't want to start now yeah and that's that's kind of where it takes it to me is 
to dial on the fairness thing, I didn't even want to touch on it because for me, it's it, it, it gets more frustrating thinking about it as I do. I understand the point that you don't want to, to really, really, really load the deck for one team and make it too unfair for some people. I get it. My feeling on the matter is this, though. First of all, there's lots of ways to measure fairness, right? Whether it's salaries, whether it's perks like flights, whether it's hey, we got caught putting cameras in center field so we could see what the pitchers are throwing all year and we didn't get really punished for it. Sorry, I just felt like bringing that up again. There's lots of different versions of unfairness. And I just think when that the piece of unfairness is that one team is willing to make the investment to treat their athletes humanely, like more humanely when it comes to travel, like – I, I like it, it that it that it not only went from being a fine and being this big controversy, but the fact that we're hearing that app- apparently there was some floating discussion of do we need to just get rid of the liberty because of this sin? Oh, let's is insane to me. The one of the opening lines of Howard Megdahl's article talked about like potential uh, potential punishments for this that were batted around, and I don't know if this is other owners or the legal counsel of the league or what. And I don't know how seriously these were considered. Something tells me not very. But at one point, he talks about, like, maybe we should rob them of all of their draft picks for the future. Maybe we should suspend ownership. Or maybe we should just do away with the Liberty altogether. And that line floored me. I was like, what? How? how? That, that really gives you insight into the mind of some people at the top of the WNBA. That they could so flippantly just be like, well, we could just like do away with the problem altogether. Just like, all right, no more liberty. Yeah. Because they took a flight to Napa? Yeah, our largest <laughs> – our uh, one of one of our two largest markets who we just handed a generational player to in a top draft pick. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like we're going <laughs> to – and so it's an interesting case of if, if that – even if the lowest version of that story is true, which is like one person flippantly threw it up and everyone was like, okay, what other ideas do we have? <laughs> Even if that's true, it's ludicrous. That person should be the, in the room. <laughs> yeah. Like you're done. And, and so that's the point of it is like, that's frustrating enough. And I think in the name of fairness, my feeling is if you are waiting, I understand that there are some advantages when you have a multi-billionaire owner who has a stream of money coming in outside of the WNBA that's continue, that they can use to support that. I understand that. My feeling on the take, though, is if you are going to sincerely wait for all 12 franchises, possibly more if you really want to expand, if you're going to wait for all 12 franchises to be completely ready and comfortable to independently provide that perk for their players, it's not going to happen. It Environmentally, that's not going to happen. If you're just like, let's wait and see. And once we're all about where we need to be, let's do it. You know, get enough ticket sales. Let's try and make this happen. You know, save your lunch money. And then once we have the money, we can all do it. Now... If Mark Davis and Joe Sy wake up and say, you know what? We're doing it. And that's basically what <laughs> happened with Joe Sy. After the All-Star game, basically the stories after the All-Star game, he finally was just like, you know what? F it. And just, I'm going to, you know what? We'll just put it on the books differently. And if they catch it, I'll take the heat. You guys go and have fun in Napa and, and yeah. you know, travel, travel game to game. And I'll figure it out once, you know, when we get in trouble, we get in trouble. I'll figure it out. And, and that's what, that's basically what happened. The thing is, 
Yeah, sure, you can call that an advantage. Oh, they have chartered flights, and we don't, and that's an unfair advantage to them, and to not us. What that will do, I think, more, is motivate teams to step up and find a way to make it happen. Yes. Okay. You, want to you don't. You owners. You don't have the billionaire well. owner who can do it. Okay. Fine. I get that. Then go make it like it's unfair to you right now. Sure. Go make it fair. Go find investors. Go find opportunities to to uproot. Go find what apparently are similar opportunities to what Joe Sy was able to uncover, which was getting chartered flights comped for for an amount of years. Go do that research. Put someone in your office whose job is to figure out how to make this possible because it can be possible. Investment is there. The WNBA spent weeks flaunting a capital raise investment, so clearly it's there. And you can't. I don't want any one trying to play the small market card. I understand things are tough in Indiana, but in a place that houses the Indianapolis Colts and the, uh, I just forgot the other professional team. I promise they're popular, but like you have, you have two professional teams and you have five large universities with large sports programs. I believe three of them in power five conferences, you have the ability to find investment. There are people in the, the Hoosier state who are putting a lot of money towards sports opportunities. So it's there, but the investment is there. And what it tells me is that there are some owners who took on a team out of the guise of, a good look or this will be a fun investment and they're annoyed that they just realized they're going to have to do a little more work than they were planning. And that's what it comes down to because I I truly think if uh, 10 other teams sat down, put dedicated people in their offices and found the investment to make this happen within one to two years, it happens, but they, it's, it's not about finding the money. It's about the fact that they just don't want to put that much emphasis into their time because that's hiring a new person. That's adding more minutes to their agenda, whatever it is. And that's what it is to them. It's a bandwidth issue more than anything else. And that's what's what annoys me. I guess. I I know you can't rely entirely on altruism to get a group of owners together to pour money into a league, right? Like I, there, most owners are own a sports team, not just in the W, but just in general, in order to see a massive return on investment. And I promise not to turn this into a baseball pod, but this is obviously a big topic of discussion in the baseball universe right now. Because you have owners that 15, 20 years ago bought a team for $100 million, and now it's worth $2 billion. And in the WNBA, you haven't seen that return yet. And I think a lot of owners are... like I, I assume Mark Davis is generally interested in in supporting women's basketball and like having a WNBA team in Vegas and all that. But he still wants to make a profit. And mm. the way you do that is you you incentivize the league to grow by providing these sorts of things. You treat your players well. You treat the league as though it's full of stars. And and we say this on the show all the time, right? Like if you if you act like you're a big deal, it's a lot easier for people to to jump on board and be like, "This is serious. This is a big deal." If you act amateurish, if your product looks amateurish, if you're playing on a court that doesn't have a WNBA logo in the center. Then it mm-hmm. kind of gives off that vibe. And in, in the business side of things, I think that's what's frustrating the richer owners in the league right now is they want to pour money into this to transform this into the kind of operation that the other big four sports in North America are currently enjoying, where there are these huge returns on investment because people love sports. 
And you have some owners kind of holding them back and being obstacles and saying, well, we don't, we don't have the, the type of resources to, to pour into our team in order to compete with that, which again, we're not a baseball pod, but <laughs> there's a lot more to being competitive than just throwing mm-hmm. money at problems. But if you're going to be a team owner, maybe that needs to be one of the requirements is the ability to, I don't know, have the sort of capital necessary to grow the league. Because otherwise, it's going to stay exactly where it is right now. And if you're a team, like a small market team like Indiana, you're either going to hold the entire league back because it's catering to you specifically, or you're going to lose your team. Like, we talk about that anyway. Like, we're worried Indiana's going to move one of these days because they haven't done enough. Like, that's that's what's going to end up happening. And it's it's still a business. Like, it, it can be... There's a dirty side to this that... Yep. Is, it can get ugly. But this isn't it. Like, Joe, Joe Sai providing for his players... And chartering flights because he's like, I, I, if nothing else, it's like, I got the money. Like, people are going to wonder why I didn't do it. Like, <laughs> like uh, just mm-hmm. it, it bothers me that the, the people who should be most in control of the league's financial success and who stand to gain the most from it also happen to be weighing down that success at the same time. But I don't know how we got to that place. But it's not a good place to be. Yeah. It's, uh, that whole the whole situation there is is tough, and I think it's. I understand that very commonly, the narrative is, we're not just here waiting for, you know, uber rich dudes to come in and save us or whatever, because that's not what the goal is. It's not about just let's we got to go find twelve billionaires, but we need no, the ideally, right twelve owners. Like we no, need the right yeah. twelve people in the office, and ideally, that's what it is. Because team would be owned like the Green Bay Packers, where yeah. like it's just got tens of thousands of fans who actually make up the ownership group, and then they have like people at the top to make decisions. That, that's yeah. an ideal situation. It's never, it's not realistic. It's but not it's bad. just, can you find the right heads? Because to me, it's not, thank goodness we have these two billionaires in Vegas and, and, and New York. What we have are two billionaires who at least have shown evidence of saying like, guys, this is stupid. I'm just going to go do it. And, 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 and being willing to put action behind it. How many times have we called out people? We were, everyone was doing this to Chris Paul a couple weeks ago. How many times have people called out certain individuals saying, put your money where your mouth is, actually show an effort, actually show that you care. And when there's evidence that that's happening, it tells you that that thing is possible. Because here's the thing. The Liberty were previously owned by an ultra millionaire, gazillionaire, whatever you want to say. And that guy did jack for any team that he owns, Mr. <laughs> Dolan. So it doesn't, yeah. it, it's not just the money that matters. It comes down to who has the mindset that they're going to put in the effort. Cause the thing is, if you may not be a mega billionaire, but you have the right mind and the right motivation, you're going to be that team that does exactly like we just explained, which is I can't pay for it myself, but let's get in a room. Let's brainstorm it. Let's find a way to go get the 20 people who all together will let's get this done. A good example of that is. The uh, Angel City FC, who are just about to kick off the NWSL in the next coming months, they don't. You know, they they went and found an investment group that do are doing everything they can to make that team look like a high valuation organization who are given star treatment, and that and that matters in this day and age. So I think it's something that this will be an ongoing discussion, and it's something that people are going to lean on, but. At the end of the day, if you, if for some reason you feel like a side has to be taken, 
I just always say side with people who truly are showing the pride and spirit of the league's growth and are, are doing what we've been hoping people will yeah. be doing. And if Do that we, means, because yeah. the thing is like, I just don't think Josiah's decision to say, I'm going to go ahead and let you guys take charter flights. I don't think that was ill-advised. I don't think he suddenly was like, oh, are we breaking the CBA? I just don't think he gave a anymore. And he was like, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. I'm done watching them being treated, uh, you know, this way when it comes to travel. And he made a change. To, to put a cap on this, I think uh, there is Cam. I am keeping us honest in the chat. Thank you for joining us on stream, by the way, Cam. Yeah. Um, but mentions that like there is there is a fairness factor, and that you can't necessarily just write it off as a lack of desire. Like some owners just may not have the ability to do the things that we're talking about here. And that's I, fair. I I never. That's just like everything we're talking about today, and the reason that this is kind of an incendiary article that Megdal wrote is because that's the first that I'd heard of owners maybe it's not a willingness thing or, or maybe it's not an inability thing, but it is a, a problem of willingness to invest in the league. That's the analysis that I'm drawing from reading that article. So if, if that's wrong, it's wrong. And I, I hope it's not wrong, but based on, on that article that was getting passed around Twitter and getting talked about a lot and seems to be well reported, the natural conclusion I'm drawing is there are some owners in the league that are not on board with what the richer owners are doing and it's not a matter of I like cannot keep up. It's a matter of like, like you said earlier, like well, what if players get used to these like perks that we provide, and it's not even in the CBA that we have to do that. Like that to me seems nitpicky enough that it feels like it's owners being stingy more than it is an inability to keep up. If so. if they cared enough, they'd call an emergency meeting. They'd figure out the legal ramifications of trying to crack open the CBA on an emergency basis, and they would try to instill the change. I I don't know the legal ramifications behind a collective bargaining agreement, so I'm not going to say, oh, for sure, that's a thing you can do. So don't hold me to that. But they would find a way to work around it if it really mattered. For, for yeah. this sakes, if it's true that this guy sat down and said, in three for three years, we can have this um, – the only reason you're turning that down is because you have your own agenda in mind. That's what it comes down to. And I just, it's frustrating. Yeah. And that's, again, um, that's analysis based on this article. If Kelsey Mitchell came out tomorrow and said, like, my, my front office is doing everything it can to be competitive and we just cannot compete with the Mark Davises of the world, then we'll talk about that on the show next. I mean, that's, that's the next natural step if a story like that yeah. breaks. But from, from the information we have now, it seems like there is a divide among new, new owners who want to see the league grow and older owners who are treating it more like a pet project. So that's, I think that's where we're going to leave that one for now. I can hear the, yes. the bell ring in the background, the PTI bell. Um, it we do like a while ago. That we can cover before. Uh, I know Steve's got a hard stop still in a little bit. Um, yeah. What you got for me? I, I don't know what you want to necessarily touch on next, but we do have uh, some interesting college news. Going I mean, on. we do for certain conference attorneys. Uh, there's there's conference attorneys going on. You'll have you'll, um, predictions predictions on our end will be coming out shortly. You'll be hearing those soon. Yes, but we, we will be privy to some early results uh, because some attorneys start early. We have some quarterfinal results, and as usual, the Pac-12 tournament is wonky. <laughs> uh, of course, just it is. earlier, yeah, just earlier today, we saw Colorado bump off number fourteen Arizona by two. 
so that's a that's a shocking result. We also saw number twenty three Florida survive Vanderbilt um, due to mm-hmm. a questionable. I don't know if it was a questionable foul, but it was it was certainly a favorable whistle late in the game to give uh, Florida the win over Vanderbilt. So kind of another escape there. Steve, I love conference tourney season because it's a bunch of conference opponents that know each other well that don't give a crap about what number is before your name. Um, rankings do not apply in March <laughs> to conference opponents. Uh- They're they're teams that that want to stomp you out, whether you're supposed to be the best team in the country or not. In, How are you feeling about the tourney so far? It, this might come off controversial. This might come off like people telling me that I'm out of my mind. In a purist basketball purist kind of way, I sort of enjoy conference tourney season more than the tourney itself. <laughs> I love the and I love the tournament. It's obviously it's all we talk about this month. I'm a huge fan. But there's something about the pureness of the conference turning season that makes it fun, especially because these are all teams that play closely together all year. They have a history. There's something about it that just always makes it really intriguing. And you get these really, really um, high ramification type upsets and in, in matchups that make life that much interesting. I mean, we're talking about I mean, Colorado taking down Arizona was huge. And plays a potential, you know, it's one of those things where now you have to look at your bracket and be like, oh gosh, did I factor like Cinderella darling Colorado into my plan? Like, and, right. and it's, you know, it's one of those cases you have what I think is going to end up being the most unspoken of, uh, of great rivalry matchups for a final in the summit league. For the Mount Rushmore State, San Diego, S- S- South Dakota State versus South Dakota, two teams very tightly matched. Like, and and both both are on like hellacious winning streaks. Uh, so you have those cool stories where you're. This is a chance for you to almost get caught up on all the stories, and it's like when you watch a very involved high plot line television show like law. I loved lost when it was on and like the start of every season always has to have an hour long special. That's sort of like, okay, here's the show from the day it began crunched into an hour. So that when the new season starts, you're up to speed. That's kind of what conference turning season feels like. It's like you get a chance to get to know players. You may not have had a chance to pay full attention to, and it's already off to a pretty fun start. And that's as advertised. You got a close matchup right now, Duke and Miami. That'll be over by the time you hear this, but um, I just love it. It's it's yeah. it's worth whatever streaming investment you can get your hands on. Yeah, to to me, it's also fun. I I usually approach my bracket by looking at strength of conferences. So a team like Colorado, I'm probably going to favor whether they're ranked or not, just because I know the Pac-12 is competitive and I know they've taken out teams like Arizona. Um, but this year. Boy, that's that's going to be. <laughs> I mean, everyone knows the Big Ten is complete chaos. You've got two ranked teams playing tomorrow in the ACC quarterfinal um, between what is that, North Carolina and Virginia Tech. Um, yeah, number twenty-one yeah. Virginia Tech, number sixteen North Carolina play. Those are teams that have eight and five losses each. Like these are teams that are kind in the of quarters each other up um, throughout for, the, for a throughout spot the in the semifinal of the conference tournament. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. And and then the SEC, which we know is kind of South Carolina's turf. I mean, they're 27 and one. I think they're by far the best team we've seen over the course of the regular season. It's pretty amazing. They've been able to survive the SEC as well as they have, um, because there are, there there are a lot of teams in that conference that are going to do some damage in the tournament as well. 
So this isn't like a very instructive uh, take, I guess. But a lot of times I can look at like, ah, oh, the SEC is strong. The Pac-12 is weak. Like I'm going to take SEC teams far. And this year it just kind of feels like, no, like if, if you get a, if you get a midway, like, like six or seventh place Pac-12 team against the six or seventh place SEC team, like I don't know what that means anymore. Because a lot of these teams have between five and nine losses on their records. And I still think they're incredibly strong contenders to make the Sweet 16 and beyond. So this is going to be a yeah. blast to put together brackets. We're all going to be dead wrong by the second weekend. Oh, uh, gosh. Wait. Um, and I, we will be obviously hosting a, a bracket pool for all of you listeners. Again, we do that every year. It's a blast. We usually get... Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the figures are, but I know we had a lot of people on it last year. And that quickly, I was buried. Uh, I was nowhere to be found near the top of the leaderboard. Uh, Jason, so. Jason, who I'm not saying this as a judgment, openly admitted to doing the least amount of research toward his bracket <laughs> was the best of our team, our group by far. We all tend to bottom up pretty quickly. That's just life. Um, but he did really well. So, I mean, it's always a good time uh, leading into this of your conferences. What is your biggest um, like high value leverage conference? Like if a team uh, just put out a huge performance in the tournament, given the conference they're playing in, like takes their stock up. Like what's, what's that, that exciting term of that, that conference where like, who's the money? Um, Cause like you have South Carolina who's leading an already competitive SEC. You already talked about the PAC 12. Are there, is there a conference though, right off the bat that you go like, and maybe it's, it's one people may not be thinking of, but you're just like, whoever comes out of that, if they're not already getting a lot of discussion about going deep into the, the tournament, they, they will now. I think no matter who wins the Big Ten, it's going to be a, a major impact on my bracket. Yeah, I think that's the um, answer. I really like Iowa. I don't trust Michigan. I've been tweeting about that all year. But if Michigan ends up coming out on top, it might change a lot of the landscape of my bracket. I think that's the one that will probably change. The, like, I'm still going to trust <laughs> South Carolina if they end that, up losing the that, championship game. I'm yeah. still going to trust Stanford to go far even if they lose in the championship game. But if if Iowa ends up actually toppling the Big Ten, or if someone unexpected comes along and wins it, I'm I'm going to have to seriously reconsider where I'm taking certain teams and, and how far I expect them to go. That top four is interesting because you talked about Iowa. I, I think Iowa's performance in the tournament, their ability to find uh, at least a spot in the final if they can make that happen, um, which they. They line right up in the semis against Michigan if they both win their favorite games. Oh, so geez, it yes. sounds like that's that's the setup. But if they're able to actually pull that off, I'm really much more bought into Iowa than right out the shoot because I think th- I, their their recent win to finish the year against Michigan was was a huge night. It was a great performance against a highly ranked team. I will say, outside of all that, is. That's really their one, their main big win. They had a lot of other opportunities and haven't quite closed the door. And so I'm not quite fully bought in on Iowa just yet. And few people like Caitlin Clark as much as this dude likes Caitlin Clark and, and Ziano and the rest, you know, it's a good roster, but I'm not quite as bought in about giving them a deep run of like, are, are they powered to take on? a top three SEC school in the early stages of a tournament? I don't know. And that doesn't feel so, but so that's tough, but. Still then, they, they were tied, you know, they, they shared the regular season title. So no one's taken that away from them. And 
you have Michigan, who you said they're sitting third, and a lot of people are like, that's intriguing because I don't know if they're that good. You could talk a lot of people into saying Maryland's the best team in the Big Ten if you really I, wanted to. I was going to say and, Maryland is there and Ohio State is there. Ohio yeah, State that's the thing. Maryland, the Maryland's fourth, and a lot of people are sitting here like, they might be the best team in the conference. And I think the Buckeyes are like, why the hell will no one bring us up? <laughs> Yeah, which yeah, which is hilarious. Like we're the, we're the number one team in the conference. We're a top fifteen but, team in the country. No one seems to want to talk about us. Yeah, that's in yeah. fact that would be a major. Uh, that, that's sort of what I'm talking about. Like if Ohio State went on a run and ended up winning the Big Ten, I think it forced people to like when bracket season comes around shortly, they're going to be like, well, how like how can I take Iowa super far because I believe in Caitlin Clark and not take. You know, this probably at that point would be a top 10 ranked Ohio State team equally as far, even though I don't know enough about them. Uh, that's, yep. yeah, that's the most interesting conference to me and the one that has the By most far. ramifications coming. I think there's a lot of intrigue to be had there, but it's it's definitely worth your time. I would encourage if you can, especially if you can find airtime, um, even if you just for the sake of your time, if your bandwidth is low, pick one smaller conference, just one. Pick the Colonial. I don't care. Like, just pick one and just be like, I'm going to get really into this conference tournament. It makes a lot of fun. I mean, speaking of Drexel, uh, a heavy favorite over in, um, not Summit League, over in the Colonial. Yeah. Uh, Drexel heavy favorite is currently down to James Madison in the second quarter. That, for that conference, would be a seismic upset. That's a fun one to get into. So I'd encourage everyone, you know, pick your conference. Whichever one sounds fun to you. You want to get into the Pioneer League? Who do you like in the Pioneer League? You want to get into the MEAC? Who do you like in the MEAC? And why is it the Lady Bison of Howard? Like, tell me tell me who your team is, and you let's make it happen. on my favorite one, which is the SWAC. Swack, swack, swack. Swack, swack, swack. Um... And then, oh gosh, Lady Bison. Also, Drexel, I'm going to be really upset because every single year Drexel's in any tournament, I always lean on rooting for them because they're, you know, you and I do this for, for tournaments in our own fields. I think you do it with your family and I just do it for fun. But like the mascot bracket of like if that team's mascot, like their nickname took on their nickname, who wins? Drexel's always a fun wild card because it's hard to beat a dragon. And I just love that there's one team. There's one team that took every seven-year-old boy's favorite team name, and we're like, you know, it's, we're the Dragons. We're the Dragons. Drexel Dragons. Sorry, I'm getting too much into talking about nicknames. I'm just, I love March. No, you're March totally is so fine. much fun. I was just, I was just looking up to see if Jackson State was still undefeated in the SWAC, and they are. And if they, obviously, if they punch their ticket to the, um, to the bracket by winning the championship, I am taking Jackson State through two rounds. Just. Don't care who they're matched up against. Jackson State and the SWAC, baby. <laughs> Let's go. That That's there. <laughs> um, yeah, it's possible. I I have Dayton taking the Atlantic 10, but like Delaware is my, um, the, the, the Blue Hens, that's my, or not, no, Dayton's not playing them. It's, that's Drexel uh, that's playing the Blue Hens. But yeah, I've, um, Sorry, I have this mixed up. When I actually give my predictions, I'll have it down. I'll have it in my notes in front of me. But I have a couple, like, dark horse, like, depending on whether or not South Carolina or UConn are in their region, I have a couple smaller schools that I'm like, there's a lead eight potential in this one. Like, like there's a couple that could, could make some fun. So I'm excited to get into this. This is what makes this time of year so much fun because you just get to know a lot of great teams, players, coaches, a lot of cool stories. Um, if you have a specific team conference you're excited to check out. Shout them out. Let's see how this goes. 
Yeah. The on the I just can't leader, wait. Like within a day of you getting this episode, you're going to have our conference uh, champion predictions. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's, it's bracket predictions time. I mean, we're going to try to get, hopefully Jason's going to have internet. We're going to try to get all four of us together for a big bracket prediction show um, or a bracket reveal show or some form of, this is my bracket, make fun of it all you want show. Um, because this is basketball Christmas season. I mean, this is the time of year uh, where even if you're not particularly into college ball during the rest of the year through January and February, this is the time, as Steve said, to get to know these teams and mascots and the fun players who are going to be the W soon. Absolutely. And um, I don't know if we'll have time. We'll see how the rest of the month goes. If you have ideas for an interesting topical bracket, we might try to sneak one of those in. That's kind of one of our favorite things is finding a couple fun topics every year to dedicate an interesting bracket someone, to. We've we've done everything. Suggested that we do a paintings bracket, and I think about it every day. Oh, like historic art, yeah, paintings, yeah. like the most Hot cultured damn. episode of this show. The number one his former art history major, my wife. That would be like I would just pull her in and be like, "You go and make it up," or even it, just classic like artists. Like we would, visual, we would have to get Jason to, medium to artist that whole episode with like some high society, but like, also like you got to do it battle it. style, don't you? A little bit. <laughs> You're like Claude. It's like Claude Monet versus Andy Warhol. That's a discussion. Like <laughs> that's in it. Oh, see, I'm in. I'm in now. Of like, no, there's Love a lot heart. of interesting. It's the best. <laughs> It's it's the it's the time of year when everyone else is also into listing and ranking stuff, and it's it's nice. The other eleven months of the year, we're we're all nerds in our corner this, of our bedroom. This is why they can't let us do shows together, Steve. Is I I feel like we the way that our brains work, we can easily just be like, you know what, we've got another hour. Let's talk about this. Let's do- <laughs> no, exactly. Let's this. Jason, let's Jason, and I on a whim said screw it and dedicated a whole episode to apples. Anything is on the table with this, but that's what I think brings charm to WNBA Nation. That's that's what I think fans they they may come for the analysis and a chance to talk about the league, but but that, they stay for that charm. That's what does it. Um, and that might itself lost a few subscribers, but we'll see. Uh, me saying that out loud, but I think that'll do it for the for the program. I don't know if we had the other high level. Basics. Any just real Sounds screamer good. questions? Anything like that? No, I think we're all set. Uh, no questions in the chat. I know we do have a five star review that we need to get to at some point. I don't know if we're going to get the, to that today, so we can kept this. Like, just do that. Yeah, next time if we want. Yeah, um, I mean, the one other thing I did want to bring up, and we won't take a heavy amount of time on it because there's really not much to talk about it that hasn't already been said. But I think just the world of women's sports has been. Uh, reacting overall to this news, we just want to, I guess, as a formal show, it's just weird to say that formally, but I mean, um, I just, I, I want to say just that we have the co of our co host sending, um, any love and best that we can to the Stanford family, uh, you know, at Stanford University, uh, specifically the soccer team and, and most specifically, uh, Katie Myers family. Um, obviously the, the news, of Katie's passing has really kind of shaken a lot of people, especially if you're a women's sports, women's soccer fan, especially, um, you know, Katie became known to a lot of people because of one of honestly, the illest sports celebrations we've seen in real time, uh, that made it viral. But she also was a bona fide star. She, she had 
you know, a lot of makings to become a real name in the world of women's soccer. But what we're learning about her as an individual on top of all that is just what an impactful, inspirational and incredible person she was and how many people she impacted in ways outside of the sport. She was a resident assistant on her campus. I worked for student living for resident life for a long time at our university um, so that connection meant a lot to me. She was a part of multiple student advocacy organizations. Um, she was a great mentor to younger students on campus, whether or not they were in and out of athletics. Uh, she was an intern for Just Women Sports and, and doing some great media work there. And she was just all over the place and being an impactful person for uh, a lot of people. On top of that, being an exciting and outspoken and just infectious character on the on the pitch and uh, and being just great at what she did in terms of the sport. Um, no, we don't know anything about what the story is and, and, and what causes of passing are. We're not going to speculate on that either. Um, but just to say that, uh, you know, our love and support is there. It really uh, was kind of, was a, was not kind of as a huge heartbreaker to, to come down this pipeline. Um, and, We've heard a lot of that very common conjecture of, you know, tell your loved ones you love them, reach out to people if you need to reach out to them, regardless of if they're looking good or not, whatever it is. Um, one thing I'll say when it comes to tragedy, whether it's mental health related or it's medically related or anything, there's no profile for those things. There are some signs, but there aren't too many signs. Even people in your life who look like they couldn't be farther atop the top of the world um, also deserve love and check in every now and again. You just never know what someone's experience is, but um, I think it just goes without saying our love and, and our support uh, to the Cardinal family, to the Meyer family. And yeah, I, I just, it felt like it needed some mention and you know, I, it was for me, it was weird. It was one of those, I basically took the day off work when I heard the news. It was kind of a um, a strange thing. I'm not a Stanford fan. I don't have a huge connection. I follow the sport, and it still felt crazy. It's just 22 freaking years old, man. Yeah, that was the text you sent me before. Freaking 22. I just, I just, that, I think that's what gets to me. It's, it's, uh, I, it's so hard, especially now. Like at 33, now that I'm like getting to the point where you realize how, just how young you were when you thought you weren't young anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, early twenties. It's just like, that's just, it was just getting started. There was so much. And I just, it's just unfair. It sucks. And you know, it's those who are definitely closely affected by it. And, you know, hopefully they know that they have a support system, but it just sucks. I yeah. just, it's heartbreaking it's hard. news. I, I know uh, with everything going on in the world, sports is an escape for a lot of people. And so it's hard when um, tragedy kind of bleeds into the sports world as it so often does. So that is a, that is a, a melancholy send off for sure. We, we are excited for what's coming uh, this month in terms of content, but we also yeah. want to make sure that we're covering all major women's sports stories. And that is something we talked about at the top of the show when we were, uh, when we were on stream before we hit record. I'm glad we're we remembered to touch on it. 
Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, with all that, and of course with energy moving toward conference tournaments, and then of course March Madness, it very self, uh, there is many and all reasons to get excited uh, and stay in tune here with WNBA Nation. Uh, but until all of then, thanks again for listening to the show. I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm Logan Jones. And we got you next time.